Read the Bible every day so you'll be full of faith. Welcome you to join Bible Links to read the entire Bible in two years. I believe God will bless you, He will lift you up, and your life will never be the same. Exodus chapter 27 You shall make the altar of acacia wood five cubits long and five cubits broad. The altar shall be square, and its height shall be three cubits. And you shall make horns for it on its four corners. Its horn shall be of one piece with it, and you shall overlay it with bronze. You shall make pots for it to receive its ashes, and shovels, and basins, and forks, and fire pans. You shall make all its utensils of bronze. You shall make for it a grating and network of bronze. And on this net you shall make four bronze rings at its four corners, and you shall set it under the ledge of the altar, so that the net extends halfway down the altar. And you shall make poles for the altar, poles of acacia wood, and overlay them with bronze. And the poles shall be put through the ring, so that the poles are on the two sides of the altar when it is carried. You shall make it hollow with boards, as it has been shown you on the mountain, so it shall be made. You shall make the court of the tabernacle. On the south side the court shall have hangings of fine twined linen, a hundred cubits long on one side. Its twenty pillars and their twenty bases shall be of bronze, but the hooks of the pillars and their fillets shall be of silver. And likewise, for its length on the north side, there shall be hangings a hundred cubits long, its pillars twenty, and their bases twenty, of bronze. The hooks of the pillars and the fillets shall be of silver, and for the breadth of the court on the west side there shall be hangings for fifty cubits, with ten pillars and ten bases. The breadth of the court on the front to the east shall be fifty cubits. The hangings for the one side of the gate shall be fifteen cubits, with their three pillars and three bases. On the other side the hanging shall be fifteen cubits, with their three pillars and three bases. For the gate of the court there shall be in the screen twenty cubits long, of blue and purple and scarlet yards, and fine twined linen, embroidered with needlework. It shall have four pillars with them, four bases. All the pillars around the court shall be filleted with silver. Their hooks shall be of silver, and their bases of bronze. The length of the court shall be a hundred cubits, the breadth fifty, and the height five cubits, with hangings of fine twined linen and bases of bronze. All the utensils of the tabernacle for every use, and all its pegs and all the pegs of the court shall be of bronze. You shall command the people of Israel that they bring to you pure beaten olive oil for the light, that a lamp may regularly be set up to burn, in the tent of meeting, outside the veil that is before the testimony, and the sons shall tend it from the evening to morning before the morning. It shall be a statute for them to be observed throughout their generations by the people of Israel. Exodus chapter 18 Then bring near to you Aaron your brother, and his sons with him from among the people of Israel to serve me as priests. Aaron and Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, Eleazar and Ithamar, and you shall make holy garments for Aaron your brother, for glory and for beauty. You shall speak to all the skillful, 
whom I have filled with a spirit of skill, that they may make Aaron's garments to consecrate him for my priesthood. These are the garments that they shall make, a breastpiece, ephod, a robe, a coat, checker work, a turban, and a sash. They shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother, and his sons to serve me as priests. They shall receive gold, blue, purple, and scarlet yards, and fine twined linen. And they shall make the ephod of gold, of blue, and purple, and scarlet yards, and of fine twined linen, skillfully worked. It shall have two shoulder pieces attached to its two edges, so that it may be joined together. The skillfully woven band on it shall be made like it, and be of one piece with it of gold, blue and purple and scarlet yarns and twine linen. You shall take two onyx stones and engrave on them the names of the sons of Israel, six of their names on one stone, and the names of the remaining six on the other stone. The order of their birth. As a jeweler engraves signets, so shall you engrave the two stones with the names of the sons of Israel. You shall enclose them in settings of gold filigree. You shall set the two stones on the shoulder pieces of the ephod, as stones of remembrance for the sons of Israel. And Aaron shall bear their names before the Lord on his two shoulders for remembrance. You shall make settings of gold filigree, and two chains of pure gold twisted like cords. And you shall attach the cord and chains to the settings. You shall make a breastpiece of judgment and skilled work. The style of the ephod you shall make it of gold, blue, and purple, and scarlet yarns, and fine twined linen. And you shall make it. It shall be square and doubled, a span, its length and a span its breadth. You shall set in it four rows of stone, a row of sardis, topinel, and carbonacle shall be the first row, and the second row an emerald, a sapphire, and a diamond, and on the third row a jacinth, a agate, and an amethyst, and the fourth row a barrel, an onyx, and a jasper. They shall be set in fine gold filigree. There shall be twelve stones with their names according to the names of the sons of Israel. They shall be like signets, each engraved in its name for the twelve tribes. You shall make for the best piece twisted chains like cords of pure gold. You shall make for the breastpiece two rings of gold, and put the two rings on the two edges of the breastpiece. And you shall make for the breastpiece two rings of gold, and put the two rings on the two edges of the breastpiece. And you shall put the two cords of gold in the two rings at the edges of the breastpiece. The two ends of the two cords you shall attach to the two settings of filigree, so attach it in front of the shoulder piece of the ephod. You shall make two rings of gold, and put them at the two ends of the breastpiece, on its inside edge next to the ephod. And you shall make two rings of gold, and attach them in front of the lower part of the two shoulder pieces of the ephod, its seam above the skillfully woven band of the ephod. And they shall bind the breastpiece by its rings to the rings of the ephod with a lace of blue, so that it may lie on the skillfully woven band of the ephod so that the breastpiece shall not come loose from the ephod. And Aaron shall bear the names of the sons of Israel in the breastpiece of judgment on his heart, when he goes to the holy place to bring them to bring the remembrance before the Lord. In the breastpiece of judgment they shall put the Urim and the Thummim, and they shall be on Aaron's heart when he goes in before the Lord. Thus Aaron shall bear the judgment of the people of Israel on his heart before 
the Lord will make. He shall make the robe of the ephod all It shall have an opening for the head in the middle of it. The woven binding around the opening for the head of the so that it may not tear. On its hem you shall make pomegranates of blue and purple and scarlet yarns. Around its hem with pearls of gold between them. A golden bell and a pomegranate. A golden bell and a pomegranate around the hem of the road. And it shall be on Aaron while he ministers. And it shall be heard when he goes into the holy place before the Lord. And when he comes out so that he does not. You shall make a plate of pure gold. And engrave on it like the engraving of the signet. Holy to the Lord. And you shall fasten it on the turban and cord of blue. It shall be on the front of the turban. It shall be on Aaron's forehead. Aaron shall bear any guilt from the holy things that the people of Israel consecrate as their holy gifts. It shall regularly be on his forehead. They may be accepted before the Lord. It shall weave the coat and check the work of fine linen. And it shall make a turban of fine linen. And it shall make a sash embroidered with needlework. For Aaron's sons shall make coats and sashes and caps. You shall make them for glory and beauty, and you shall put them on Aaron your brother, and on his sons with him, and shall anoint them, and ordain them, and consecrate them, that they may serve me as priests. You shall make for them linen undergarments to cover the mid flesh. They shall reach from the hips to the thighs, and they shall be on Aaron and on his sons when they go into the tents of meeting, or when they come near the altar to minister in the holy place, lest they bear guilt and die. This shall be a statute forever for him and for his offspring and for him. The following is the English translation of Pastor Moen Wu's teaching on the book of Exodus, chapters 27 to 28, translated by Bryson. Read the Bible every day so you'll be full of faith. Let's review Exodus chapters 27 to 28. So we finished up introducing the sanctuary and the Holy of Holies and the related furniture and equipment that was put there. Now we will go more into the courtyard of tabernacles. Here we have a brazen or bronze altar there. Dear family, the brazen altar is something as Christians we cannot have missing from our lives. Why? Because the reason the brazen altar was constructed is related to God's mercy and God's righteousness. In this place there is a complete unity of these two. If there is no sacrifice on the brazen altar, it shows God's requirement for righteousness, his judgment of sin, the wages God should have us pay for our sin. But when there is a sacrifice on the brazen altar, when a lamb, cow, or pigeon is brought before the brazen altar and it is killed and bleeds, the sin is absolved for and is burnt on the altar as a burnt offering or as a peace offering, sin offering, or guilt offering. Through this, God's righteousness is satisfied. And God's mercy and love, God's drawing close to man, can finally be made whole here. So the brazen altar cannot be missing from our life. You have to be constantly thinking, God, am I bringing sacrifices before you? There are two types of sacrifices. One, sacrifice is our relationship between us and Jesus. Jesus is the Lamb of God. He offered himself once and for all time, for all of our sin, so my sin is forgiven. Today, when I come to church, I don't have to bring grain, I don't have to bring lambs. When I come to church during a festival, I don't have to bring a lamb, cow, or a pigeon. Nowadays in the church, there is also no one who is in charge of killing the cows or the lambs. 
because of Jesus' sacrifice once and for all, this lamb sacrificed for me. How am I supposed to choose this year old lamb without any blemish to take the place of me? In my own life, how am I supposed to cultivate a relationship reconciled and unified with Jesus, the lamb who took the place of me? My daily prayer, Bible reading, spending time waiting before him, these are all preparing my sacrifice. Many times we come to church and we are like, I have come here now. Some people even say, oh, I've given up my face. I'm here at church now. What else do you want me to do? I'm just going to sit here. Dear family, this is coming empty-handed before God. You should not by any means come empty-handed before God. Before the brazen altar, because of God's requirement for righteousness, we cannot see God's face. God will ask, where is your sacrifice? Where is the lamb that is to take the place for your sins? Where is the calf? If we have not cultivated an intimate relationship with God, I have not brought a sacrifice. How can I meet my God? Dear family, coming before God's presence, our worship, our prayer, our praise, our dance, our thanksgiving are all sacrifices that we offer one after another. This is through the blood of Jesus, through his love flowing through our lives, through our intimate relationship with him during this past week. When we bring this lamb without blemish and offer it before God, God's requirement for righteousness is satisfied, and I can enter that sanctuary and the Holy of Holies to meet with God. I can worship, I can eat the bread of the presence. Through lighting of the lamps, I can receive God's illumination and guidance in my life. When the veil in the temple was torn from top to bottom, I am able to enter the Holy of Holies and talk with God. This is an intimate relationship of enjoying God in the inner chambers. I have to bring sacrifices. The second type of sacrifice is about living sacrifices, which talks about us, the person. I am supposed to become a sacrifice. Romans 12 Verse 1-2 reminds us about this. For us to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, offering it before God. Am I a living sacrifice? I come to church. I just sit there just being absent-minded, not paying attention, scrolling through my phone. Am I trying my best to worship, trying my best to praise out loud, dancing before God's presence? This past week I read the Bible. Am I able to understand what the speaker is talking about? Am I carefully practicing it, putting it into practice in my life? This is called a living sacrifice. Sometimes we are casual about coming to church. We are just dragging ourselves to come, listening to what the pastor is talking about this week, looking at what the worship team is doing. Are the Sunday school teachers teaching well today? Are the youth ministry activities fun? If we brought the wrong lens to church, sometimes we are like, that church is so big, their activities are so good. This church doesn't have that many activities. This church is not that popular. This church's building is more beautiful. It feels like that church is less popular. This church has multiple types of activities for the kids and for couples. It's more suitable for us. When we go to church, it's almost like we are choosing a restaurant, a movie theater, or an amusement park. Satisfy my needs and I will go. Our first priority should be coming before God's presence. Do not forget, we are a living sacrifice. Sacrifice myself on the brazen altar. Today I am here to offer sacrifices to the Lord. I want to, in God's righteousness being satisfied, to meet God's mercy, to see God's ways, to meet with God's love flowing towards me. The brazen or bronze altar from verse 1 to 8 you will see. As it has been shown to you on the mountain, so shall it be made. Why is it bronze? In the Bible, bronze represents trials and judgments. So in the process of burning, the bronze is able to remain. So when facing judgments, no single person is able to stand but mercy triumphs over judgment. 
Why are we able to grab a hold of God's mercy? Because there is a sacrifice. Because there is the blood of Jesus. Because of Jesus' sacrifice for us. Once and for all, on this foundation we are able to completely submit ourselves before God. By following the Holy Spirit, we are able to be tools of righteousness. Through following God, we are able to offer ourselves as tools that obey Him. Therefore, God's righteousness is satisfied and we can overcome this judgment. This righteousness requirement, the requirement of the law, we won't be condemned and we can walk in God's mercy and love. Dear family, in my life, is there a bronze altar? If there is, then have we prepared the sacrifice? Our intimate relationship we have cultivated with Jesus, my active enduring life on the inside, doing my utmost to align with God and obey Him. These are all preparing our sacrifice. These are all things we have to think about. From verse 9 to 10, it starts talking about the court. The length of the court shall be 100 cubits, the breadth 50 cubits. The batteries of this court could not contain all the Israelites at the same time, those who had come from Egypt. The length and width is not that big. From this, it can be seen that, for these boundaries of God's kingdom, only those who have been chosen can enter. At that time, only the Levitical priests who were serving were able to enter. Today, the kingdom of God is in the area. Are we able to be chosen? Can we receive salvation? It depends on God's mercy and His love that He had for us before creation. Today, we should give thanks for being able to enter this court. God's tabernacle has a court. There is a separation between atonement and holiness. Am I living in the place of God's presence, or am I living outside of the tabernacle? From the outside, it looks like a building surrounded by white cloth about 4.5 meters high. I can't really see anything. I can only see white, see God's light, see the manifestation of God's glory and His holiness. Regular people cannot enter this place. Those who are chosen, those who are able to serve Him, are able to enter. Today in the New Testament time, as God's sons and daughters, we all have this grace to enter this court. Then you have to ask yourself, do you treasure this? Are you thankful? Am I living the life I am supposed to have in this court? This is what holiness requires. From the outside, you can only see white. This is God's holiness requirement. How can I live inside the place of God's presence? From chapter 25 for building the tabernacle, the first way is offering and contributions. Following what happened on the mountain is obedience. Offering yourself completely to God and giving sovereignty to God. Offering my mind, my thoughts, my actions to God. For my ears, hearts, arms, and legs to submit to God. And now I will live in the area of the court. If a person does not enter the court, the person's sin is not able to enter through the bronze altar into the sanctuary to meet with God. We can only watch from a distance. If this court today represents the life of God's presence, then I want to ask, today you are in this court. What about your family members? Those you are familiar with, your spouse, your children, those friends and family that you care about, are those that you care about in this court? We have to pray. God, thank you for choosing me and bringing me into this court. God, also choose my parents, my children, my spouse, my friends and family. Speak to their heart so that they admire and are envious of this, a life of God's presence living in this separation between atonement and holiness, and living a consecrated and holy life. Do others envy your life? Does your life demonstrate this white cloth surrounding the tabernacle? In your life, others are calling names in politics, others have love of money, others love lust of eyes, pride of life, pride of the flesh. While they're enjoying these things, are you also enjoying these 
and then being envious of these things. What are you envious of? As Christians, we need to ask ourselves honestly. We need to ask ourselves a question. At this time, what, what am I the most envious of? When Christians share their response, we see many Christians are envious of the same things as the world. How can we say we are living in the core? I am envious of God's presence. I am envious of God's sovereignty in my life. I am envious of living in God's holy court. I am envious of my life manifesting the fruits of the Holy Spirit. I am envious of entering the court to offer sacrifice, to enter the sanctuary, and enter the Holy of Holies to meet with God. Am I envious of this? If I envy large houses, big cars, if I, en if I envy good work, good reputation, occupation, education, and, and I attain all of this, you have not started living in this court. Our eyes have also not seen this court yet. Ask God to help us. Verse 16 to 19 talks about the gate to the tabernacle. There shall be a screen 20 cubits long. In the breadth of 50 cubits, 20 cubits is the gate. So the gate is not hard to find, as it is 20 cubits in the front. But actually, those who find it are few. It is not necessarily the case that someone will find the gate. Today, we need to pray to God. God, take me into your door of salvation. Open the door to me. Your door has blue, purple, scarlet, and fine twisted linen, and it is embroidered with needlework. Actually, this gate is very beautiful. The other linen surrounding the tabernacle is just white. This gate is magnificent. It has multiple colors. It will attract a lot of people. This means that God uses his beauty to attract and draw people. He draws people with his glory. He uses his abundance to draw people. Pray this. God, bring me into your tabernacle, into your sanctuary. You will find that every door and gate uses multiple colors. Every door is like this. The outer gate, the gate to the sanctuary, the veil between the sanctuary and the Holy of Holies, they are all rainbow colored. So step by step you will be drawn by God's beauty. As you enter you will be drawn by God's beauty and His glory. Pray to God today. God, use your beauty to draw me. Bridegroom Jesus, draw me after you. Let us run after you. Bridegroom, let me see your beauty. Let me focus on your beauty. Take me into your inner chambers. So this Christian life is not that of a Puritan, persevering, working hard, and long-suffering. Oh, it feels like I'm in a cave. I have to live a poor but upright life. So the early Christians, they entered into glory, into a glorious life, a beautiful and a glorious life, into a magnificent life. It's not withdrawing into a small nest the whole day. Oh, it's so dry. It's so boring. I'm praying for God. I can't do it. The world outside is so beautiful. This is because you have not seen God's beauty yet. Today you can pray. God, there are so many things in the world that attract me. When it comes to interpersonal relationships, there are many pleasures that attract me. The world has so many different types of foods such that my stomach is never satisfied. These pleasures and many things keep attracting me. You can pray. Jesus, please draw me with your beauty. Let me be deeply attracted and drawn by your beauty. Bring me inside this gate. This gate is so beautiful. Help me to find this road. Though the road starts at narrow, but inside your glory it is revealed more and more. This road leads to eternal life. Bring me into your beauty. Teach me to eat the bread of your presence on the table. This is the best food in the world. Draw me with your delicacies. Bring me into the light and revelation from the golden lampstands. Bring me to the Ark of the Covenant to talk with you. Any interpersonal relationship in the world is not able to be greater than my communications of love with you. When your good friend, it could be a family member you have not seen for a long time, 
and you meet with them and we cannot start talking. We eat good food together and we talk and we also go on tours. It's so satisfying and joyous. If you want to experience an even deeper satisfaction and a deeper joy, pray to God. Draw me with your glory. Draw me with the conversations you want to have with me. Draw me with the bread of your presence. So when I eat and drink of you, I am satisfied. When I am talking intimately with you in these conversations, may I be satisfied in this relationship. When I enter the doors and see your beauty, may I be satisfied more than the most beautiful scenery in the world, more than the best relationship I have with someone in the world. Jesus Christ, bring us inside the door. Pray to God. I want to experience this feeling. I really want to eat these delicacies. I want to see your glorious beauty. Use your beauty to draw me inside the door. Verses 20-21 to talk about the pure beaten olive oil for light. We need to take the oil and give it to Aaron and his sons. In the tent of meeting outside the veil that is before the testimony, Aaron and his sons shall tend the light from evening to morning before the Lord. It shall be a statute forever to be observed throughout their generations by the people of Israel. When the Bible says it shall be a statute forever, that means it does not matter whether or not the tabernacle is still physically existing. A statute forever means that it is something that we are to do daily in our lives, something that a priest is to do. Why do we have to use beaten olive oil? The fastest method of using olive oil is pressed, but this olive oil ends up being muddy and is not usable. Pure beaten olive oil is where you take the olives and put it in the mortar and you use your hands to slowly beat and slowly press. This is very time consuming, using force to slowly press it. You cannot do it fast. The moment you do it fast, the olive will heat up and the olive oil will become murky. So it's a slow pressing, a very slow pressing. It's called a beating. The oil that comes from a slowly beaten olive is pure. The pure oil is to be used for the golden lampstands to burn the light. And every morning and evening the lamps have to be tended to. This tells us, the revelation we gain in life is not only dependent on the weekly sermon at church. Listening to the Bible race or Bible reading in the morning, that is our morning. At nighttime, you might need to spend some time meditating on his words, maybe spending time to memorize and recite his words. The light of God's revelation is something we need both morning and night to receive. So it's not just, I finished today's Bible reading, I'm going to mark a checkbox, completed it for today. This is not called lighting the lamps. Lighting the lamps is morning and evening, the start of the day and the end of the day. To meditate on his words throughout the day, to hide his words in my heart. For us to take his words like the olive, continuously, slowly beat and slowly press them, slowly chew on them, and slowly enjoy. This will result in pure olive oil. This is what we will have to do forever for many generations. What does this mean? Every day until Jesus comes again. Then we can enjoy the supply of pure olive oil in our life. Golden lampstands were made of hammered work from pure gold, representing revelation only that can be received from God. The book of James tells us that the whole earth is full of wisdom, earthly wisdom, man's wisdom, also there is demonic wisdom, earthly kingdoms, and also the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil also has some sort of wisdom. But God wants us to have the wisdom of life, a heavenly wisdom, God's wisdom, God's light and revelation. This requires us to slowly beat and press the olive before God, taking the time. You cannot hit it with too much force. Slowly beat, slowly press. This is God's guidance for our everyday life. So we ask God, 
God, I want to have light revelation in my life. I want to understand your word more. Pay the price. You can pray. God, my sovereignty is in your hands. The pressing from the circumstances, the pressing from sickness and diseases, the pressing from interpersonal relationships, the pressing from finances, and also some pressing that comes from serving. This feeling is a sort of pressure, but it's not a bad thing. But it is pressing and pressing, so that the olive can produce oil, then out of this person can flow the anointing oil of life. And this anointing oil can be used for the lampstands to shine the light of revelation. In the process of serving, the process of reading the Bible, every day in my life, I am putting myself in God's hands. But this is not suppression. This is God's increasing in my life the weight and increasing the glory. So from this supply of oil, you will be illuminated. You will have revelation. Revelation comes from this way. Life comes from this way. Ability comes from this way. And light comes from this way. Today, do not complain about your circumstances. Oh, this person was not good towards me. Serving has a lot of pressure. Work has a lot of pressure. Interpersonal relationships give me a lot of pressure. Take this pressure and bring it before God. Offer up thanks. This type of pressure is not to knock me down, but this pressure is for the anointing oil to slowly, slowly, very slowly flow out of us. Thanksgiving, praise, joy, and thanks are to become our daily practice forever and ever. This light day and night we are supposed to experience. Ask God to bless us that our light will not grow dimmer, that our light before him in our daily life will not grow dimmer. Chapter 28 specifically talks about those who God has chosen. Chapter 28, verse 1. Then bring near to you Aaron your brother and his sons with him from among the people of Israel to serve me as priests, Aaron and Aaron's son, Nadab and Abihu, Eliezer and Ephamar. Pray to God. God, I want this. Choose me. Take me into your tabernacle. Take me into your presence. Make me your chosen. Let me serve before your tabernacle and serve in your glory. Reese are God's chosen, and the life of a priest can be passed on to future generations. The blood vessels of a priest can also be passed on. Jesus Christ is our high priest. This life of a priest is flowing inside us. How then can a Christian not pray? How can a Christian not offer sacrifices before God? How can a Christian not serve? This is our heavenly duty. So a Christian, after being baptized, after believing in a Jesus, for the ministers, small group leader, leaders, and parents, you have to constantly say to yourself, you are a priest of service to God. Our children, those in our group, our small group members, after they are baptized and believe in Jesus, we have to tell them, you are a priest. You have to serve God, glorify God, pray for others, sacrifice for others, bring others before God, and also speak the word of God to them. So how can you speak to others from the Spirit? This is what the priests in chapter 28, what they should do. Verse 2, And you shall make holy garments for Aaron your brother, for glory and for beauty. Verse 3 to 5 also says, You shall speak to all the skillful whom I have filled with the spirit of skill, that they make Aaron's garments. Who is making the garments? Those who have wisdom, filled with the spirit. We can all make garments, but it is also those who are chosen. In the later chapters, it is God's chosen who have this wisdom to make these garments. The purpose of holy garments and the life of the priests are two things. 1. 
The life of the priest is being chosen. We have to rise and take up this service to God. This is God's choosing. It does not come from man's hard work. So God chooses us in the kingdom of priests. We are all to be priests. But whether or not the priests have garments, this is our responsibility. Those who have wisdom in their heart, who are filled with God's spirit of wisdom, are to make the garments. So they are consecrated and can fulfill the duty of the priests. Your garments are important. Pray to God, prepare for me garments. What is meant by these garments? Verse 2, for glory and for beauty. Let's explain what is glory, what is beauty, so that you can also wear these garments to take this position today. So what consists of the garments? A breastpiece, an ephod, a robe, a coat of checkered work, a turban, and a sash. Let's first look at verse 6 to 14. The first thing to make is the ephod. The ephod is like a sleeveless garment, a blue and very colored sleeveless garment. Very beautiful. It's the same color as the veil. After this, the verses talk about two onyx stones engraved with the names of the sons of Israel, which are put on the two shoulder pieces of the ephod. Six names on one, six names on the other. The first step to glory and beauty is these two onyx stones on the shoulders. I am willing to take up the praying responsibility, a feeding sheep responsibility, a shepherding responsibility, to take the people that God cares about, take up the responsibility to be like Jesus and my Abba Father. I am willing to take on this, to take care of, to feed, and pray for them. Today, no matter what church you are at, we have to learn this. We can take time to pray for the things that God cares about. You start to care about people's soul and spirit. You start to rise up and shepherd them. You start to pray for them. You can also pray for Israel. You can pray for the current world situation. You can pray for the revival in church. You can pray for those who were just baptized. You, you can also pray for those who were not saved yet. Are you taking up these spirits and souls on your shoulders? At this time, God wanted Aaron to remember the 12 names of the sons of Israel. They are all people that God cares about for him to bear to shoulder these things. Today you can pray for the pastors, for revival in church, for the kingdom of God, for salvation of Israel that they return to God, for the salvation of all Jewish people in the world. Also, praying for those who have not been saved yet, for their spirit and soul. As you are continuously praying for them, you are stepping into the holy garments that God is weaving for you, priestly garments of glory and beauty. You might see it as pressure, service, a burden, but God says this is glory, this is beauty. Starting from verse 15 to 29, we also see that we have to make a breastpiece of judgment. In the style of the ephod, you shall make it of gold, blue, and purple, and scarlet yarns, and fine twisted linen, then you shall make it. And this breastpiece has two layers. The top has 12 precious stones, and you can open it up, and there are 12 spaces for these stones. Inside you put the urim and the thummim. Let's see verse 29. So Aaron shall bear the names of the sons of Israel and the breastpiece of judgment on his heart when he goes into the holy place to bring them in regular remembrance before the Lord. It's not just shouldering their needs, it is hiding in front of your chest. So God's people, those that God cares about, you're hanging in front of your chest. How God's will is going to be fulfilled in his people. For these 12 tribes, 12 precious stones, they are hung in front of our chest. So our prayer, our intercession, our praise and thanksgiving before God should have priority for God's people. Many times our prayer does not have this breast piece. Many priests don't even have this breast piece. What does this, that mean? 
It means that they have never prayed for the things that God cares about. Their prayers are always my needs, my children's needs, my spouse's needs, my financial needs, my work needs. So you will see that many of this person's prayer requests are all me, 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 me. Does this person care about the kingdom of God? What about God's people? What about the whole church? What about what God cares about? The people he has chosen? Israel? This is what is meant by the breastpiece of judgment. You pray it in front of your chest and you continually remember it. Inside there is Urim and the Thummim. What is it? It could be something that shines or glows, maybe some sort of round stone that does this, that heats up. Then they, they are put in the breastpiece of judgment and it will shine. When the priest walks into the sanctuary and into the Holy of Holies, so when Aaron enters this place, God shows these 12 precious stones, what God cares about the most, and inside he has a very detailed guidance of what God wants, which is Urim and Thummim. I can use praying to respond. Right now, God cares about a particular brother or a specific sister. Inside, I have a prompting. Today, I make a phone call to them, send a message to them. Maybe even today, I will go visit them. God puts a child's need, the church's needs, ministry needs on my heart. And when I pray, I have guidance from the Urim and the Thummim, and I follow God's guidance and continually remember these things in my heart. This shows whether a priest is wearing the breastpiece of judgment, continually keeping them in his heart. So sometimes you offer to an orphan and widow's ministry. Sometimes you offer to a compassion ministry. Sometimes you offer to, to a ministry focused on salvation of Jewish people. Sometimes you offer to an orphanage. God will keep putting these burdens in us. Oh, recently I have a bonus or money from an award. I have another source of income. Recently my life has been pretty good. Or maybe recently my finances have not been good. Recently I have some troubles. Things have not been going well in my life. Sometimes God will put others' needs in my heart. At this time, you must not be stingy, and do not quench the Holy Spirit's prompting. You need to, according to the breastpiece of judgment, see the needs of God's people. Urim and Thummim is currently guiding you, and then you offer for their needs. Sometimes even when you are poor, you need to show the abundance of your passion and love. Sometimes even when things are not going smoothly, God will still ask you to go and visit and care for others. Sometimes when you have a lot of pressure, God will still encourage you to go attend the prayer meeting to go and serve. This is God placing his breastpiece of judgment, putting it on our chest. The things that God cares about, the 12 tribes, the needs of the people, need to be continually placed on the front of the priest's heart. You need to pray for yourself. God, am I someone who serves you while having the breastpiece of judgment on me? Has it been a long time since you last wore the breastpiece of judgment? We are having a good time during church service. You are focused on the sermon. Sometimes during serving, we all use a lot of effort. We want to see our servant grow, and so we're spending a lot of time and money, and we see our servant grow. But in this process of serving, do you see the growth of other people, or co-workers, and also breakthroughs in my life? This is the breast piece of judgment. Your prayer, your waiting, your seeking God are all for God's people, God's kingdom, so your breast piece will shine continually, and you will continually have guidance. Many people's breast piece is all dusty. Their urim and thummim no longer shines. So when they meet in difficulty, they pray and wait, and they get no answer. Because in their prayer and waiting, they do not have these tall precious stones on them. It does not have God's people, only themselves. So it's a breastpiece of judgment with no precious stones. There are no two layers, there are no Urim and Thummim, because you haven't asked and prayed for so long. This brother, how should I help him? How should I serve this sister? How can I serve in church right now? How can I pray for this ministry or practically give offerings to them? 
There are not many precious stones on your precipice of judgment, but only yourself. So you need to pray for God's help. As a priest, it does not mean that you don't pray for yourself at all. In the Lord's Prayer, He also teaches us to pray for ourselves. But first pray for the kingdom of God. Pray for our daily bread. Also forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. It talks about our relationship with the other parts of the body of Christ. It also talks about, For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. We also pray for His kingdom and His power and glory to be manifested. So may our prayers not be not only for ourselves, but for the kingdom of God, His glory, His name, His church, for the Israelites, for the salvation and returning of the Jewish people. These are the precious stones on the breastpiece of judgment. Not only are there the onyx stones, but also the breastpiece of judgment. Verse 31 to 34. Also, we have to make a robe. It shall have an opening for the head in the middle of it, with a woven binding around the opening, like the opening in the garment. Or armor. This represents that in front of God, prayer is one of the best ways of warfare. We continue. In verse 34, a golden bell in the pomegranate, a golden bell in the pomegranate, around the hem of the robe. And it shall be on Aaron when he ministers. And its sound shall be heard when he goes into the holy place before the Lord, and when he comes out, so that he does not die. So when he walks, you can hear the sound of the bells ringing. It represents that when we walk in front of the Lord, He knows and remembers it. Pomegranate represents abundance. When you open up a pomegranate, there are a lot of seeds, representing life and abundance and producing fruit. Someone who walks in front of the Lord for a month, there is fruitfulness, fruits of the Spirit, there is more and more abundance. The sound of the bells does not mean that when there is no sound, you are dead and you need to pull the person back out. No, if you look closely in the Bible, when the high priests walk around the Holy of Holies, which high priest system killed like that? No. If you look at Elah and the kingdom of Judah, those priests, did they die like that? No. The only high priest who died for us was Jesus. These bells are a reminder. Every path we take, God remembers. Every serving we do, God remembers. No matter how small, like prayer walking, being the usher, simple kitchen service, cleaning service, serving the children. Maybe you're serving children so small that the children don't even know that you're serving them. Many times those you are serving don't even realize you're serving them. God knows because as you're walking around, the bells will make a sound. This is the sound God wants to hear. There are also pomegranates, which is the result of life, result of working. They are following after you. This is God's abundance. Also, we need to make a plate, holy to the Lord. This is our glorious crown. And this plate on the forehead allows us to have favor before the Lord. This is so glorious. Paul says there is a crown of glory. The Old Testament also talks about a crown, holy to the Lord. Every one of our serving, God is adding beauty and glory to us. Don't think that no one cares about the serving in the sanctuary. The serving that the high priest does in the sanctuary, in the Holy of Holies, who sees it? God sees it, so he will add a crown to us. We belong to him. Holy to the Lord means you belong to me. Many times you will start to see, every time we serve, we are also expressing to God. God, I belong to you. I want to continually belong to you. Take my heart, thoughts, emotions, they belong to you. This is my greatest glory in my serving, because you will add a crown to me. God uses serving to call us. Often he also uses rewards to call us. One is the glory of the priest. The other is the gold crown we wear on our head. Holy to the Lord. 
our greatest glory in this life is that we can serve God. And he says, This child is mine. This bride is mine. This priest is mine. We belong to God. This is our greatest reward in serving. At the end, it talks about a sash. The sash allows us to have strength. It is around our waist. So while we were serving the Lord, we can have strength. Verse 42 to 43 talks about making pants. These pants are short undergarments, probably covering our thigh. These are not to prevent moisture and not for appearance. Outside, we already have the robe, the ephod, and the breastpiece of judgment, and the onyx stones on the shoulders. You can't see if the person is wearing this. This is reminding us, someone that serves God and is close to him. We need to continually have Jesus be our cover. To take our flesh, our evil heart, our natural self, the way I think about and do things, all these things need to be covered by Jesus. Here it says, to cover the naked flesh, they shall reach from the hips to the thighs. Verse 43 says they need to wear it, lest they bear guilt and die. This shall be his statute forever for him and for his offspring after him. Here it is saying, God, cover me. I am serving you. Put my earthly flesh to death. Put my evil heart to death. Some people, when they serve, they really do have an evil heart. Some people serve in God's name and then they expand and expand to make their own name great. Some people serve because they are afraid no one else will know who they are. Ask God to have mercy on us, to cover our weakness, cover our naked flesh, cover our pride, cover our way of thinking of things, cover the ways we think are good solutions, cover us with Jesus. God, I need you, or else my serving will bear guilt. In that case, not serving would be better. The more I serve, the more guilt I would bear. So we wear these undergarments. Through these undergarments, cover all my weaknesses, the ways I am not enough, the failures in life, the pollution in my life, the ways I am unclean. God, under the covering of your blood, drive out my evil heart. I don't want to ask for myself, but ask for you. I must decrease. You must increase. God, my name does not need to be remembered, but may your name be lifted up and spread throughout the earth. In this way, we can be someone who wears these undergarments and serves. So in the whole chapter 28, you need to remember one thing. What is glory? What is beauty? It is doing the thing that God cares about most, what is on his heart. These are our holy garments. Amen.